0: You're listening to Voice Acting Mastery, episode number four. Welcome to the Voice Acting Mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman. VoiceActingMastery.com is your place to learn both the skills and the mindset you need to become a professional voice actor, even if you're just getting started. In each episode of this podcast, you'll discover valuable tips, tricks, and insider information to help you portray characters in animation, video games, and beyond. And now here's your host, Voice actor Crispin Freeman. Hi there. My name is Crispin Freeman, and I'll be your guide through the world of voice acting. If you'd like to know more about me, feel free to check out my personal website at www.crispinfreeman.com. In the next two episodes of this podcast, I want to tell you the story of how I broke into the voice acting business. Now, there's two reasons for this. Firstly, I think you'll find it helpful to hear what my approach was to becoming a professional voice actor. And secondly, I want you to know where I'm coming from as a teacher, so you can better evaluate what I'm offering you and how my advice can apply to your own voice acting journey. No matter what subject you may be learning, I think it's vital to know the background of the person teaching you. Every voice acting coach will offer you their own unique perspective on how to develop a successful career. It's up to you, as an ambitious and resourceful voice actor, to choose what works for you and what doesn't. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to voice acting. Every person's journey is different, and sometimes radically so. In future episodes, I'll be interviewing other voice actors so that they can share with you their trials and tribulations of becoming a professional. Once you hear a number of these how I broke into the business stories, you'll probably get a sense of what path might work for you based on your background, your skill set, and your personality. But right now, let's start with my story. And now, the feature segment. It may be hard for you to believe, but I started out as a very shy little boy. I never thought I'd become an actor. I was a total introvert. I mean... It may seem surprising considering that I go to conventions and I get up on stage and I talk publicly and I teach classes and everything else, but the fact is that when I was young, I just wanted to sort of run into a corner and hide. I was much happier being left alone and reading my books or listening to music or playing with my computer, and I did not like getting up in front of people in public at all. There was a part of me that sort of wanted to break out of that shell and be more confident around others. But back then, I wasn't sure how. Well, it turns out that my family was involved with the opera in Chicago. I was born and raised mostly in Chicago, and my grandfather was a big patron of the Chicago Lyric Opera. So as a kid, my grandfather and father thought it'd be really cute if they could get me into the opera as an extra, what they called a supernumerary, which basically meant that they would have little kids dress up in costume and they'd go on stage and be part of the acting troupe on stage for the opera. I wouldn't do any singing. I'd just fit the costume, which was lucky because I was a skinny little kid. I could fit most of the costumes and they'd throw me on stage as an altar boy or as a page in some sort of Elizabethan opera or something. And all I had to do was stand on stage and not break something Uh, and I could be an extra in the opera. Well, that's sort of how it started. Initially, I totally didn't want to do it. I was completely scared of it. Totally didn't want to get on stage. But I fell in love with being backstage at the opera house. You would go backstage, and these people would walk off the street, and they'd look like normal people. They'd go up to their dressing rooms, they'd come back down, and they'd look like Henry VIII. It was amazing. They'd have costume and makeup, and then they'd get on stage, and they would create this fantastic illusion of this story. Well, I fell in love with making that illusion I just thought it was so cool to be a part of the acting troupe that made this amazing piece of entertainment for the audience. So I was hooked. And I was a supernumerary at the opera all through middle school. That's grades 6, 7, and 8. Now, once I entered high school in grade 9, I was too big to play a kid in the opera, but too small to play an adult. So that's when I started auditioning for plays at my high school. I also joined my high school chorus and the dance class. Now, one of my childhood heroes was Gene Kelly, the actor, singer, and dancer who starred in such famous musicals as Singing in the Rain, Anchors Away, and, my personal favorite, An American in Paris. I wanted to be a triple threat like Gene Kelly, and I modeled myself after him. All through high school, I acted in every play, sang in the school chorus, and became the only male student in the dance company for three years. Which meant that I came in for some ridicule... Uh, High school being what it is, with people making fun of other people. Being the only guy willing to get up on stage in tights, I had a lot of people making fun of me. But that didn't matter. I wanted to become an actor, singer, dancer. I wanted to become Gene Kelly, and I didn't care. One way or another, I was going to make it happen. Now, when it came to look at colleges, I wanted a school that would give me a first-rate education, but also had a good theater department. I chose Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts. And fortunately, they accepted my application. Now, not only was Williams on a par academically with schools like Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, but I found their theater department really exciting. I also auditioned and was accepted into the Williams Octet, an all-male a cappella singing group on campus so I could keep up my singing skills. I even became involved with the Williams College Dance Company. But my main focus was always the theater department. I starred in a number of plays at Williams, and I eventually majored in theater and minored in computer science. A bit of a strange combination, I know, but I was also learning about sound design and recording in college, which would serve me very well later on as a voice actor. Now, while Williams was a wonderful liberal arts college, and I learned a lot while I was there, I decided I wanted to get a more conservatory-style training. So I applied to graduate schools for acting. I was accepted into Columbia University's graduate acting program and spent three years there honing my craft and getting my Master's of Fine Arts in Acting. It was while I was at Columbia that I had a bit of an artistic and life crisis. Suddenly, nothing seemed to be going very well. I felt stuck artistically, my acting seemed lackluster, and even things in my personal life were going badly. Things sort of sucked at that point, and I wasn't really sure how to turn things around. Well, it was at this crisis point that I discovered two things. First, I rediscovered my love of Japanese animation. i had always had a passion for anime, even when I was a kid. But during college, I had lost touch with it. Remember, this was before the World Wide Web existed, and getting information on Japanese cartoons was very difficult back then. But when I arrived in New York City for grad school, I discovered a specialty store near 4th and Broadway called Anime Crash, They sold hundreds of different anime titles on VHS tape, no less, and I fell in love with anime all over again. The second thing I discovered during this crisis was Joseph Campbell's scholarly work on mythology. Now, Campbell was a famous professor who had written the well-known book The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which outlined the hero journey in cultures and religions all around the world. He was also an advisor to George Lucas and helped Lucas build the story structure of his original Star Wars trilogy back in the late 1970s and early 80s. I was fortunate enough to watch the PBS series based on Campbell's scholarship called The Power of Myth. And that's when it all came together for me. Campbell's scholarly work on mythology was like a Rosetta Stone. It allowed me to decode the mythological meaning in the Japanese animation that I had always loved as a kid. I now knew that I wanted to work on mythological storytelling in my art. I was also becoming sort of addicted to watching anime. But it still did not occur to me to try and combine those two loves and become a voice actor. I just thought I would try to incorporate what I knew about mythology into my theater work. So at this point, I was still pursuing my theater career and enjoying anime as a sort of hobby. But all of that changed one summer. I spent the summer of 1997 working at the highly acclaimed Williamstown Theater Festival, which just happened to take place on the college campus of my alma mater. I worked as a part of the acting troupe there, taking secondary roles in different plays and enjoying a summer in the Berkshire Mountains of Massachusetts. Now, one evening, while I was watching anime and eating dinner between shows, a friend of mine walked in and said, Hey, do you like that anime stuff? I responded, Yes, I do. Now shut up. I'm watching Evangelion. After my rude response, he told me that he actually worked on the English dubs of anime at a studio in New York and asked if I would be interested in auditioning for them. Guess what I said to him? I said no. Why? Because at the time, I disliked dubs. You have to understand that back then, very few studios were dubbing anime into English, and some of the results were very bad. Now, not all were bad, but enough dubs were bad that I didn't want anything to do with them but then I stopped and thought about it for a while and remembered that dubs were how most people got introduced to anime. It was certainly how I got introduced to anime, through shows like Speed Racer, Star Blazers, and Robotech. I realized that I wanted to make that introduction for people as good as possible, so that they could enjoy this art form that I valued so highly. So I called him back later and said, yes, I'd like to audition. My friend put me in touch with the recording studio in New York, and the studio asked me the most obvious question. Do you have a demo? Well, I didn't have a demo, but I was producing a radio theater company, and I had copies of my radio theater shows. I offered to give the studio a copy of my radio play adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Cask of Amontillado. This was most certainly not a proper demo, and I would never advise anyone to do that sort of thing now, but back then, that's what I did. Well, they got my demo, and they told me that they didn't have any shows they were working on, and they didn't know when they would, and basically that I shouldn't get my hopes up. Surprisingly, however, two weeks later, I got a call from the studio saying they wanted me to come in and audition for the part of Prince Hallis, a small character in an animated series called The Slayers. I was excited and nervous at the same time. I didn't know anything about the show, but here was my big break to try to make it into anime. And even though I'd done a lot of theater, I'd never done any voice acting before, and I wasn't really sure what to do. Well, I went into the studio and auditioned to the best of my ability. And fortunately, they called me later to tell me that I had booked the part of Prince Halis on Slayers, and that I should head over to the studio next week to record the actual show and thus began the first tiny step in my journey to becoming a voice actor. In the next episode, I'll tell you about that first recording session and how much I learned from being in the studio that day. It was quite a learning curve, let me tell you. I'll also tell you about how I tried to balance my theater career with my growing voice acting career. Then I'll share with you my thought process when it came time to deciding whether or not I should stay in New York or move to Los Angeles to pursue voice acting full-time. Now, when I finally did move to L.A., I was in for a real wake-up call. But I'll get to all of that in part two of my story in the next episode. There's just one more thing I wanted to tell you about before I sign off, however. It turns out that this podcast has just recently been listed in the iTunes store online. So now, you can sign up to automatically download new episodes through iTunes. I'm really excited about this, and I wanted to see if I could ask you for a little favor. If you're enjoying this podcast and finding the information useful, I would so appreciate it if you would head over to the iTunes store, look up this podcast, and give me a nice review. You can rate the podcast using their star system, and you can also write your own comments as well. Just open up iTunes on your computer, go to the iTunes store, search for Voice Acting Mastery, and I'll pop up instantly. Then you can click on Write a Review to do just that. I'd like to reach as many people as possible with this podcast and every positive comment you leave helps others find this information as well. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the voice acting mastery podcast with Crispin Freeman to get your free report, revealing the five most common mistakes to avoid in voice acting. Point your web browser to www.freevoiceactinggift.com. Thanks for listening.